What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Sports with Family. I'm your host, Russell Fugit, and we have an exciting and very intriguing conversation ahead. I always love talking to my dad, and it's just such a blessing to get back in the groove during this season after being away for a few years. But we're excited. Obviously, we missed so much as family last year. We missed so much in the world of sports, and I know all of us sometimes can use that distraction, but we also want to think about family. We're going to talk a little bit about what uh, families and children should think about as they go back to sports this year, particularly the sport of football, of course. But this is a great first episode to get us started. So lock in. Enjoy. Here's me with my dad. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Sports with Family. I'm Russell Fugge, your host. Gene Fugit together with Fugit Square. How you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing just great, son. Number one. How you doing? I'm doing well, especially hearing your name get mentioned during the Hall of Fame speech by your former teammate, Drew Pearson. Well, uh, once a teammate, uh, always a teammate. You know, Drew and I do go way back, and, and he's he's a, a great friend and a wonderful uh, teammate, and it was really uh, nice of him uh, uh, to mention me. In that speech, you know, he uh, was a quarterback when, when, when he was in college and uh, everybody was just wondering because he like you said, he, he didn't really have he had a tight end as a receiver coach. So that that was interesting. But uh, he had he had a great speech. And, uh, you know, those eight years with, with Roger, you know, because I played with him for three and then I played against him, you know, uh, for four years. So, yeah, we had. Uh, some, some great times together and I was just so happy you know I think I put uh, most of those people in the Hall of Fame that's uh, in the Texas uh, Cow- Dallas Cowboy Ring of Honor I mean right except for the uh, Troy Aikman team and that's Troy Emmett and Michael Irvin I think everybody else I, I was associated with and I was looking at the Washington football team as well and the number of uh players i guess i just came through at a time when all the players were great well i know all the many of the players were great and of course many of the coaches were great too like tom landry and george allen so um you definitely had a lot of uh, excellence around you and you know thinking about you know big cat and uh so many other guys i've had a chance to meet so that's always been cool for me right and, and there were just so many great players that you wonder sometimes how you can really have a Hall of Fame. I mean, how can you really, you know, distinguish one player from another? You got uh, players that have statistics and, and you try to measure it. And by today's standards, I didn't catch a lot of passes, but yet it was enough in those days to go to the Pro Bowl. So uh, it, it's really difficult when you try to compare uh, players in different styles and, and different uh, errors, but when somebody has got so much accomplishment, but yet for some reason they seem to be ignored, you know, you just you just have to wonder. You know, the league went through a lot of changes in the early days. When when I got into the league in 1972, it was just around the time when uh, teams were keeping odd numbers of African Americans. Up until then, they were always even numbers. And if the last cut down came and there was an odd number of black players, they knew that one of them was going to go because uh, they were trying to avoid having to integrate uh, the roommates. Now, that began to change uh, late 60s, early 70s. 
that's uh, why that movie, uh, uh, Brian's song was so famous with Gail Sayers and, uh, and Brian Piccolo uh, being roommates in the NFL. They were one of the first integrated roommates, which the, the story didn't really talk about. The story focused on, on his cancer and how Gail was there. But Brian Piccolo was a great, great man. He was the one that shamed the, the crowd at Wake Forest when they were booing Daryl Hill, the first black player in the ACC and one of my heroes. Right. And now has uh, the facility at University of Maryland named in part uh, for him. And, and he was such a great man. And finally, uh, the University of Maryland has really begun to recognize, and I hope our young kids understand that it wasn't always like this. We didn't always have color TVs and air conditioning and uh, the things that we have today. We didn't have iPods and iPhones. And certainly in, in people my age, 60 to 70, we did not have the opportunities that we fought for for you other younger people to have today. And we just want you to do something with it because it wasn't uh, given to us. So don't expect it to be uh, given to you. So we've certainly been reminded of that in the last couple of years, certainly. And and going backwards, I will say you might not have caught a lot of passes, but I know it took until about five or six years ago until Jordan Reed, uh, formerly of the Washington football team, broke one of your records for for, uh, receptions as a tight end, I believe it was. So anyway, that being said, this is a perfect segue to talk about my godfather, Abner Haynes, and our new campaign Haynes to the Hall, which you can find at Haynes to the Hall.com. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But, but that, how, how, tell me how you met uh, Abner Haynes. Well, first of all, I got I got a personal bias uh, with uh, Mr. Haynes because he is my leader uh, and, and my teacher and his family adopted me and, and baptized me into the Church of God in Christ when I was in Dallas. And it was just such a strong, strong personal relationship. And, and I don't know if I was led to him or, or he was led to me, but he was one of two black agents at the time in the National Football League. And I'm talking about back in 1970 and 71. Now, he had had quite a pro football career, which you will talk about earlier. He was a native of Dallas. He was based in Dallas, had gone to the University of North Texas, which was uh, north in Denton, Texas. And he represented, it seemed like, half the Pittsburgh Steelers, all the guys from Texas. And uh, he had worked some with Dwayne Thomas and some of the Cowboys. But, of course, everybody was leery because who's going to have a Black agent? I mean, in those days, you didn't have a Black accountant, you didn't have a Black lawyer, and you certainly didn't have a Black agent. Let's face it, you're dealing with white people and white money, and you need somebody white to represent you. And uh, a lot of people still uh, feel that way today in terms of of representation and and having equal access in the business. And certainly it was true in the NFL. Now, today, the NFL has a list of every agent, and they know who the agents are and uh, who uh, represents what player. But back in those days, they had no idea about who the agents were and who they represented. So, you know, the early stories, of course, is uh, a a famous player went into Vince Lombardi and he was one of the first players to get an agent. And Vince Lombardi cut him on the spot. 
So that was how it was that some players were even afraid. And this is up to 1972 to, to get agents. But uh, it was certainly necessary if you were going to do business in the NFL. Uh, we, uh, with my brother's help, I, my family negotiated my first contract. And uh, it was a three-year deal for 15000 16000 and 17500 we signed that uh, in the spring of 1972. However, it was before my 21st birthday, and that contract was later found invalid. And that's when Abner came in on the scene because he said, what, you don't turn 21 until December and you got a contract? And then we looked into it and did mom and dad sign it? No. So here I am playing in the NFL, and my contract wasn't even legal. So, again, this is 1972. A lot of things have changed since then. But uh, so Abner talked to me and uh, helped me get that next contract. So then once I I had gotten that contract, I got a big raise to uh, 18, 19 and 22. And then in my third year, I had to take a $2,000 pay cut, 10 percent pay cut, playing out the so-called option. But and then Abner was the one who stood by me the whole season and the Cowboys put an intense pressure on me to sign. And as as I would later say, they offered me everything except a fair amount of money. (laughs) So uh, he told me that if I was going to be successful in those days, free agency was just permitted by the courts, but we didn't have real free agency. I went on strike, no freedom, no football in 74 for free agency. But we lost that strike, but we won in the court. So like Kurt Flood case said that the baseball couldn't own the baseball players forever, which they used to, football players try to teams try to do the same thing, but they could no longer own us forever. But they could hold us for an extra year called the option year and penalize you for not taking a new contract by deducting 10%. And that's what happened to me the year I started in the Super Bowl. So Abner told me that the only coach that we know for sure that would take a shot at me because Pete Rozelle, the commissioner at the time, had an unspoken rule that we weren't going to sign free agents until we get a deal with the union. So I was one of the first, and George Allen, the so-called renegade coach, announced at my signing it was myself, Calvin Hill and John Riggins, okay? And we were the first class, pretty much, of big-name free agents in the NFL. And thanks to Abner and, of course, uh, your Uncle Reg, I went from being the lowest-paid tight end to the highest-paid tight end in history with a totally guaranteed four-year contract. And Abner was the one that uh, helped me go from professional to professional assassin. And I became the best tight end in the game, at least for a while. Sports with Family is brought to you by Joomla Network, a consultancy and knowledge network focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Whether it's an assessment audit, training and education, a risk-based analysis, or a more unique opportunity, our network partners have a solution. Joomla is a Swahili for whole, and it's time for your team to come together. Let us be your guide. Join us at joomlanetwork.com to find out more. 
Now back to sports with family. Love it. It's amazing. After all these years, I'm still learning something new about your contract being invalid. I hadn't hadn't heard that part of the story before signing at the age of 20. I know until about 10 years ago, you were the youngest player ever, ever drafted. And so let me just go back. And and that was, you know, at the beginning of Abner's career after his playing days. But let me, you know, give you some of his highlights. You know, he's, of course, in the Kansas City Chief Hall of Fame and Ring of Honor, which I know you've always said is the first step normally to getting to the Hall of Fame, as it was for your teammate, Drew Pearson. His number 28 is retired by the Kansas City Chiefs. He's on the AFL all-time team. Now, remember, it has been retired for a long time. Since, I think it's 1988. Not, it, it wasn't just yeah. retired yesterday. See, that, that's it's been retired over 30 mission years. Is so yeah. great, yeah, because right. these things happen so long ago, mm-hmm. and it happened in the context of the revolution in sports as we were integrating. Right, and and Abner was key in moving the all-star game from New Orleans to Houston. And you'll see that on the very excellent website that Russell and his team have put together. So there was a lot of, you know, mixed feelings. And he didn't come from a major media city in terms of Kansas Mm -hmm. City. But let's talk about just some of those accomplishments again, son. Again, Kansas City Chief Hall of Fame, Ring of Honor. Number 28 retired, I believe the year was was retired in 1988. He's on the AFL all-time team. And one of my favorites is that in 1960, he was the AFL Rookie of the Year and Most Valuable Player in the same year, in 1960. Rookie of the Year and MVP. So I'll, I'll stop there. Go to Haynes. Yeah, they had a poster in, in Dallas, uh, at uh, Russell, that said, slow down because you might hit Abner Haynes. <laughs> a That's player. right. And he was in the <laughs> Dallas Texans. Now, here's a guy who his father is one of the founding bishops of the Church of God in Christ, Bishop Haynes. Right. And he had three churches. And do you know that he never saw his son play Mm. because of his devotion to his ministry? Right. And it was a sacrifice to to give his son because his his older brother was a very famous minister as well. Right. And uh, uh, Bishop Haynes, Bishop uh, Noel Haynes. was headed headed that way. and, and, And his father had to give him uh, uh, permission to go because he said that there's more than one way you can serve the Lord. Mm. Amen to that. And so we, we know, we know that And of course, uh, you know, Abner being at the age that he is hoping that he can get these flowers while he's still here to smell them. So we're, we're kicking off the campaign now that the hall of fame uh, has happened for this year for the last two years, really, this past weekend. And we're going, so again, Haynes to the Hall, H-A-Y-N-E-S to the Hall.com. You can, uh, there'll be a letter template up shortly. You can write your own letter or use our template and mail a letter to the Hall of Fame to nominate Abner. Spread the word, hashtag Haynes to the Hall on social media. You'll start seeing some stuff on that. Now I want to transition and talk about the football season that is coming ahead. And I know with that lead in, you might think we're going to talk about the pro game or the college game, but we're actually going to start with youth and families. This show is sports with family. I'm your host, Russell Fugit here with my dad, Gene Fugit, former all pro tight end for now the Washington football team. And of course the Dallas Cowboys dad, what do you, what advice do you have for, our young people, college, uh, high school rather, middle school, younger, Pop Warner, who are going back to the playing fields. Uh, you know, after you know a lot of people missing youth sports altogether in the last school year. What advice do you have for for moms and dads and for any young people listening? 
Well, first, I'd like to start out with the moms and dads. And, and moms and dads are the key to any success that any student athlete will have. We're only as good as, as, as what we can learn and what we have an opportunity to do. And, and it goes so fast, mom and dad. And, and it's at a time when you really have to be vigilant, especially these times when there are people out there trying to take advantage of our children. So you have to protect them. And my mom still to this day, and she's turning 96 in three weeks. All right. She brags that she never sent us anywhere. She always took us. And when she took us, she looked at teacher, that coach. And in 1972, my mother at Memorial Stadium in Baltimore got <laughs> on the Dallas Cowboy bus and went to Tom Landry and said, take care of my son. Oh, I was so embarrassed. That was the longest playing bag. Oh, Jeannie's mom went to the coach. Yeah, she did. She did. My mom got thrown out of a high school basketball game because they wouldn't call a foul on my sister. No, my mom <laughs> took us. They knew who she was, and they treated us with respect. That's and right. you as parents got to look that coach in the eye. You got to go to that parent-teacher meeting, and you got to take care. Because when your children see you doing it, the coach sees you doing it, then the kid's going to know that they know they're in the right place and can do it. Now, there was just an article recently in the New York Times that said all parents want their children to succeed and how can we get them to like sports and certain sports. And they said that they did a survey with the Olympic athletes who are all specialists in one sport. And not only are they specialists, they're the best in the world at that particular sport. And is that the only sport they ever played in their life? Of course not. No. The survey said they all played a number of sports. They found one that they liked and they continued. And the article went on to say that parents need to notice that if a child is going to practice and not coming home happy, that is not the sport for them and mm -hmm. then try another one. The key is that they come home and they can't wait to go back to practice again. At least that's the way I was. And I was lucky because I had a dad who would take us to the batting range. You remember those days, Russ, when I took oh, y'all to the batting range? Batting cage, yeah, go to batting cage. Yeah, man, I'm batting cage, right, right. And I couldn't wait because we just loved it. And and the, my dad loved to take us. I don't know how much he really loved it. I mean, he didn't have much time off. But I know I love taking you guys because then when we went to the game and you guys like homered and stuff, I felt like I was a part of that. So what I'm saying is, is that parents can continue all the way through the pros. My mom followed me because that day she hurt me, Russ, because I said, Mom, I'm here with the Cowboys. How'd you root for the Cowboys? And you got cold season tickets. He said, Gene, and she hugged me. I rooted for you, but I did not root for the Cowboys. I rooted for the Baltimore Colts. And that's how loyalty is in our family. And that's why we call this show sports with family that's right <laughs> i'm gene fuga jr <laughs> with my number one son jay russell fuga named after a very famous man <laughs> i know that's right i know that's right now one thing i do want to add of course you know those of you who might follow me at russell fuga on on instagram and across social media might have seen last week i posted a video of my daughter who was doing football drills getting ready 
for flag football. She's only four years old, but she's very intrigued by what you did, Dad. And she's intrigued by football. She always tells me when she wants to be nice to me, here, Daddy, here's the remote Put on your football news. And even if it's not football season, she is quick on whatever has football news. But she wants to get out and try all of it, just like you kind of said. And so flag. So as you mentioned, um, and I know how you feel very passionate about this in terms tackle versus flag tell us a little bit as for young people particularly just young boys who are looking at going out to play football this year what they should think about in terms of doing flag versus doing tackle at a certain yeah age. i think uh high school is is soon enough uh for tackle and and most of our coaches are certified at that level and and most of our uh, certainly the top programs and most of the public school programs now have trainers and, and please, you know, again, not only meet the coach, but meet the trainer, because that's the person that's going to be looking at the, the health uh, of your child at the high school level. But, but I don't believe in midget tackle football, and I, I never have. And uh, I've seen uh, players get injured and, and never play again and uh, be beat up by coaches that never want to play again. And football is a wonderful sport, and I think, that if we move to flag at that age, then it could truly be a co-ed sport. And who knows, one day it could be an Olympic sport because we don't really need to contact until the body uh, is, is ready to do so because it takes special training to keep from getting neck and brain injuries. Amen to that. So no no tackle before high school, certainly. I know it's been... Well, in you, my opinion. In your, in your opinion. And I and I've, I certainly is one that I, I share. We might debate a number of things on the show going forward, but that's one thing we will not debate. So I'm excited that as a four-year-old, my daughter has the opportunity to go learn how to pass, throw the ball, catch the ball, and learn a little bit about the game. And she's excited, and I'm excited to take her and look that coach in the eye, just like you said, <laughs> to go do that. <laughs> that's right. Week. That's my daughter. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's how we do it. And, and 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 it's worked for us and it'll work for your family too. Now I know many of us have been trapped in during the pandemic and are ready to get out and travel. Well, I want to encourage you to check out Axios Luxury Travel, a full service travel concierge company. They create unique experiences tailored for the modern travel, providing much more than you're going to find on Google. Let me tell you, they've traveled the world and have handpicked luxury hotel collections and experiences to recommend to you with confidence. Why? Because they've lived it. They've experienced it. So whether you're a solo traveler, a romantic couple, family, or have a large group or a corporate gathering, let Access Travel be your travel concierge partner. Find out more and contact them at Axius Travel. That's A-X-E-U-S travel.com. Now back to Sports with Family. So now uh, pivoting to uh, college football, of course, the co- preseason coaches poll came out. And, I mean, I don't think there's any surprises. Alabama one, Clemson two, Oklahoma three. I don't know if you had any thoughts, Dad, on the on the college football preseason. Of course, we recently had the shakeup with the uh, SEC and Texas. Oklahoma now heading to join in 2025. I don't know if you wanted to get into that just yet. We have three years to get into that, it sounds like. But any thoughts as we head into the college football season? Well, number one, the, uh, the game has, has really changed. I mean, there's even, and this is hard to believe, 
but there's even more money in the college football pot. Mm-hmm. And starting this year, you're going to have more jurisdictions than ever able to bet legally and in real time on these games. Right. So that the interest in the games and the amount of revenue generated by the ups and downs of these teams is going to be unbelievable. And now, finally, players can at least get a piece of it. Now, they haven't uh, got the system where it's fair yet. It's only going to be quarterbacks and receivers. But in the old days, a booster had to sneak around to give money to a program. So they would tell a kid that when he's not from Florida State, that when he goes home, here's a list of of 10 names, call them, and you'll get $100 to turn on a light switch, which was not illegal, but it was shady. Right. And it was not certainly not reported. Mm -hmm. Because boosters, supposedly, they didn't want boosters to wrongly influence the program. Because why? It's supposed to be fair. And why is it fair? Because everybody's an amateur. Nobody's getting paid. Well, that's a myth. And the Supreme Court affirmed that. And we're just beginning to see how players can chip away at, at receiving a portion. Now, everybody uh, in the old days would say, oh, they're lucky. They're going to get education and, and get medical. And that's true. But we have many NFL football players that played a lot of games and didn't get a pension. So if you look at that on a college level, and who keeps track of all the players that get injured in college and never play again? Right. And are they eligible for workers' compensation? I mean, there's there's just so many issues. So what I'm excited about looking at is who and how it will be reported on these teams are going to make the most money because those are the teams that are going to attract the best players, and that's going to shake up what's going on. And as far as the future is concerned, we're going to pretty much see the end, as we know it, of both the ACC and the Big 12. Really? Yes, yes, yes. The okay. ACC's major problem is they don't have any major TV markets. Right. Zero. They don't have one top 10 market. I only Atlanta, think Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta don't count? No. I don't think they're in the top 10, are they? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'm no, just trying I don't to be think double. so either. Yeah. I'm over here racking my the, brain trying to be That's, the, that's what's so amazing right. about the Southeast Conference is that they make so much money, have their own network first and everything, and don't even have a major market. Right. I mean, what would happen if, 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 if uh, UCLA and USC were good again? And Chicago had a team, and Dallas and SMU had a team, and Rutgers was good in New York. Are you kidding? I don't know if 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 I had a chance to play there or play down in Alabama. I don't know. Alabama don't have a beach. Alabama <laughs> is not LA. You see what I'm saying? Well, I've, I've and, been on and, all those campuses. And, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I've been on I've been on Alabama's campus too, but I've been in Tuscaloosa. And I can get you to come yeah. to Oklahoma, even if you don't like Oklahoma. I'm gonna say, but hey, half the time we're gonna be playing on the West Coast. Oh, okay, I like that part. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we're gonna see uh, over the next three years a reshuffling of, of the major conferences. I think the Big Twelve will stay intact. In fact, it may even pick up teams, and mm-hmm. then the Pac-12 has to do something. So. 
We'll see. Big 12 is, is challenged because they don't have major markets and neither does the ACC. And markets are, are the name of the game. Even though we're in a streaming age, right. we still need someone to stream too. <laughs> that was my that was my follow up. Is does 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 it matter, right? Because it's, it's yeah, less, yeah, yeah. Is the yeah, less going to be driven by TV? Well, but is that audience driven by TV and TV markets? As opposed, is it driven by anyone anywhere in the world with a, with a device that has access to the internet with a screen on it? I mean, so but, no, but it starts not, out with a, a a large group who 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 favors uh, the event or or the team. It's right. not a question of of being able to get it. It's just growing up loving them. <laughs> True. I okay. grew up a Packer okay. fan. You're going to be a Packer fan if you're in Hong Kong. You can watch the game. True. So, but, so I, but it's hard for me to go to Hong Kong and get them to be Packer fans. Right. But if you're the Angels, you can go to Japan and get them to be Angel fans because it's Shotoni. Oh, Tony. Right. True. 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 And like I know, I, and I grew up seeing that with Ichiro in Seattle. Like he was huge. Right. Yao, exactly. Yao Ming in Houston. You know, and, and that, that's right. right. Chow, so, all of China yeah. was watching the Houston Rockets. Yeah, and Trace, Trace McGrady sold that. all the jerseys in China because he played with Yao Ming. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah. It's an, it, so it is international. It right. can go anywhere. Right. But the question is, how do you develop a following? And, and right. that's. Okay. Uh, what teams are still trying to master, and that's why they have PR departments. Well, you know, there was a report in the Washington Post recently, you know, going back to this uh, name, image, and likeness. No, that's, you know, talked about the NCAA and the, we talked about the disparities, particularly, you know, the one that highlighted was about, you know, the women's women's college basketball tournament and that there was no reason why the men's and women's tournament couldn't be done together and then the money be distributed equally. And, you know, just following a little bit of, you know, University of Maryland's athletics, and, and then I think there's an article you sent me. It talked about who are the top 10 name, image, and likeness athletes already at Maryland. And there were some, such a diverse group. And it was really diverse along gender lines, which is really intriguing to me and to see that in this, you know, age of social media, um, th- to see that, you know, for, for women to also be able to get a cut, of, a slice of this pie, um, especially at big time programs, thinking about, you know, not just women's basketball in Maryland, but, you know, women's lacrosse and women's and field hockey at University of Maryland are, are, are pretty big time as well. And of course, Maryland's always had great athletes in a number of different sports. So it's very interesting to see how, how this is going to shake things up. And we're only at the beginning. It's called Pound Me Too. <laughs> indeed. Yeah, in, indeed. Indeed. As, 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 a, as a, a now, so a soon to be former governor in the state of New York, is, 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 is learned. Uh, uh, the women are coming. If you have noticed, that, that, I mean, yeah. they're here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And God yeah. bless them, right? That's yeah. right. About, yeah. about time. It is indeed, indeed. It's long so, past time. Been some great women, man. And and yeah. and uh uh Allison Felix, I mean, what she was able to accomplish. Yeah. If she yeah. was a man, how much she would be making. Right. Look yeah. what Carl Lewis made. She's not making what Carl Lewis made. And she and she did more than that. And well, she might she might be now. Hey, though, and have a baby, okay? <laughs> right, right, right. Well, Carl Lewis do that? Do that. I mean, come on, man. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, See, so the perspective is just not, you know. Well, she got her own some of her own after I think Nike let her go. She got her own deals. She might be making more than than Carl Lewis, but uh, uh, I know anyway, Carl, yeah. man. Carl did okay. Yeah, want to shout out my friend Gwen Berry. The men are always going to do better than the women, Russ. Come on. Well, we'll see. I think that's. I think that paradigm. My point earlier. I mean, was, look, I think look, that paradigm was shifted. Bolt. How much? How many commercials he was in? Sure. Look, look all the commercials sure. Bolt was in. But I won't say. I don't think always. I don't think. I don't think always. I think the paradigm is shifting. A little. Because he did have that commercial with Rappahoe, okay. didn't he? Didn't he have a commercial with Rappahoe? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, I was saying shout out to my friend Gwen Berry, who, who you know placed number eleven in the hammer throw and 
want to give her a shout out as well for these past right. Olympics. Congratulations. Yeah, and and um just so proud of all of our Olympians. But you know, as we come down the home stretch here, I know you want to talk a little bit about baseball and I know you were talking about the, the lack of African Americans in the sport. I know it's you know, we're in the middle of the season. There's a lot to talk about. But I know you said you had some thoughts you wanted to share on that, Dad. Well, I, you know, they, they talked about a hundred and some million dollars and going to the inner city. Uh-huh. But I just think that uh, the underbelly of the Major League Baseball is how they've colonized the Dominican Republic yep. and in other areas of Latin America by putting money down in these so-called academies and signing kids that are barely in high school teenagers and, and yeah. paying them and then uh keeping their salaries down to bring up here instead of developing the people in their own backyard why mm-hmm. can't america build back better what i mean what's up with the americans right why can't I mean, we have the, the amount of yeah. money that that is in the professional game which should be enough that should be opportunities for all and we see the NFL because they got a tricky problem because of the danger of, of the violence, but they have a lot of community programs. And the Ravens right. have built, a, as an example, a lot of football fields and stuff. Yeah. And yep. given a lot of money. Now the Orioles are going to say, you know, again, from a Baltimore perspective, that they just gave some money in the foundation. But when they give uniforms to the high school kids, they let them come out and play the stadium one game a year. Right. Give me a break. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. Now, I might have been the first African-American approved by Major League Baseball to buy a team. Unfortunately, I was busy uh, having other fires to put out. But even then, when I saw how guaranteed it was, but yet how locked out that we have traditionally been, I could see why we had to have a Negro League. And that the way this is going, maybe we need to have another one again. Because I'm telling you, it's a great sport. It's entertaining. And people like to watch it. And people like to play it. But you need equipment. You need training. And you need a field. And, man, last time I looked, it was hard to find all three in Baltimore. Now, I'm just using that as an example. Because uh, out here in Phoenix, man, you could play Major League Ball on the public parks. So I guess it's a matter of what the priorities are in any location and being able to find facilities that really will encourage you to use them and to be able to get outside with a mask when you go back inside. But you can go outside <laughs> without a mask. When you go back inside, mask up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah, well, there's there's certainly uh, you know work to be done in the game of baseball, indeed. So, well, it's been great getting this fire back up after our, our I think three year hiatus, and I'm um, looking forward to getting back in our groove. Coming, uh, you know, ahead in the weeks, we're going to preview the National Football League um, this week. I think Thursday through the weekend there'll be preseason action. So I'm um, looking forward to being able to uh, break that down with you and, and talk about the season ahead. So anything you want to add that before we conclude our, our, our new uh, new edition of sports with family? Well, I'm, I'm just glad we're back and, and I'm looking forward to hearing from our, our fans and, and, and what they like to do. And I'd like to encourage everyone to be athletic. Doesn't care, matter how old you are. 
just get out there and start walking around. They got a new study now. If you just walk a mile a day, that that your brain refires. Hmm. And uh, I, I just think that you need to be active, and you need to be smiling on your face, and you need to keep going no matter what. I know that's right. All right, Dad. Well, until next week. So long. Well, thanks for listening to our first episode, Getting Back in the Saddle. We're going to have our NFL preview pick starting next week. Please do support our sponsors, JoomlaNetwork.com and AccessTravel.com. Subscribe, share, follow us on our Facebook page. We're going to get that going as well. And I look forward to talking to many of you and getting some feedback. Every Thursday, Sports with Family, Fuga Square will be here. Thanks for listening. Until next week, have a great weekend, everyone. Stay cool.